0: I can't express how important I think self-learning is and teaching yourself how to do things and kind of learning on the job as it were rather than just learning from um, textbooks and, and modules and professors.
1: Hi welcome to the building a better future podcast stories from climate tech founders. Hi everyone and welcome to this week's episode of Building a Better Future, stories from climate tech founders. Over the course of the last seven weeks, we've been chatting to founders who are still in those exciting but still challenging early years of their startup life. We've been exploring with them where their love for sustainability began. We've been hearing their journeys to founding their company and exploring what challenges they faced in those first few years as a founder. For those of you who don't know me, my name is Cherry. I'm the owner of Above and Beyond Recruitment. Our business partners with climate tech startups and we help them to develop their employer brand, tell their stories and grow and scale their product and engineering teams. If this is your first time listening to the Building a Better Future series, then please do go and check out our previous episodes. The video recordings are all on my LinkedIn page and also they're all on our Above and Beyond YouTube page as well, the link to which you'll be able to find in the comments. We also have a podcast version available, which is on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and Acast. So go and check it out there. Today, we are joined by Eddie Fitzgerald Barron, co-founder of Seafree. Launched back in 2019, Seafree is a tech-driven consultancy, which works with small businesses, helping them to understand and reduce their carbon emissions. Eddie has a background in international business and multidisciplinary innovation, which I think is a fantastically titled degree, and I absolutely can't wait to hear more about that. He also worked as a social media risk consultant before launching his own business. So Eddie, welcome, and thank you so much for joining us.
0: Thank you, Cherry. It's really nice to be here, and thanks so much for having me on.
1: My pleasure. So I always start these interviews, as as long-term listeners all know by now, by going back to the beginning and trying to understand where that spark in you first came from, either to run your own business and to kind of go down the path of entrepreneurship or that spark for the passion for sustainability and and fighting climate change. I assume having done a degree in international business management and, and innovation, you were probably somebody who always had a bit of an interest in how business worked and an eye for innovation. But yeah, where, where
0: do you think that came from? Yeah, it's good. It's always good to start from the beginning, isn't it, with these types of things. So, um, yeah, it's good. So in terms of where it really came from, um, the first the first kind of real, realisation I had a taste for entrepreneurship was when I was uh, about 17, 18, uh, in the summers in between, uh, before uni and after uh, and in between university years, I'd come back and... Uh, was struggling to find a job uh, that was sort of well paid or that was that was kind of a, an amount that I was happy with so me and a friend started a, a gardening business um and we yeah we basically just did odd jobs for people we were called the dab hand gardeners and we were booked up for months and months in advance for the whole of um for for three summers in a row so it was it was a really nice uh, kind of introduction to it so that was the first time I really started a business of some sort although it wasn't like an official business it was a very much sort of um A a little summer job. Um, But yeah, always, always been interested in that type of thing. Um, Always wanted to start my own thing. Um, In terms of sustainability, that was a bit of a different one. That was a much more recent uh, realization, uh, probably in the last two or three years since starting C3 actually. So originally, I'd I'd say that I wasn't the most sustainable uh, or passionate about sustainability as potentially other people in the industry. Um, but what I found was that once you start to research this space and start to understand the situation that we're in, that passion just comes naturally. It's it's, it's something that you, you realize and you're like, hang on a minute, we're in a bit of trouble here. We need to do something to sort this out. Um, and, and that's really where the passion for sustainability came. It was, it was actually just from researching um, and getting ready to, to launch C3 um, just because of the... I think it's difficult to put into words and it's it's why a lot of um, sort of activists and people go down that alarmist, uh, sort of quite alarmist, because it is alarming the situation Mm -hmm. we're in. So as soon as you start researching those types of things, that's really where the the drive for sustainability came from. Um, Yeah. Do you know,
1: I had um, a lady called Louise um, from Blue Methane on the show a few weeks ago, and Mm -hmm. she said a similar thing. She said once she had gone and studied and researched and understood what the problem was, she couldn't she couldn't unknow it you know the genie was out of the bottle and then you have to do something once you know you can't then not address it so yeah great okay perfect um, and so talk me through talk me through the degree you did then so you chose to go and study business um, mm-hmm. what what did you cover throughout that course and and how do you think that and then the masters you went on to has kind of helped you on your your business journey since
0: yeah absolutely so degree wise started off uh, with an undergraduate in international business management with french and that for me like it was it was a fantastic course it was a really good introduction to it um but it was relatively basic in terms of things that we were learning it wasn't as it wasn't that useful um in terms of the actual material content um How's french, we
1: now?
0: Uh, french is pretty good so i spent, I spent a couple of years yeah yeah, yeah. french is pretty good i spent a couple of years living in france after well in between uni i did a uh, double diploma which is like a double degree um Year abroad, Uh, so I I sort of like studied business in French in France for a year um, and got a second degree from that, which was great. Um, And then, so that was that was undergraduate degree. It was like I said, it was it was good. It was a nice introduction to business. It was it was good to get the basics done, but but it was all very sort of textbook, um, you know, sort of strategic thinking, financial decisions, all these types of things. Which I'll be completely honest with you, although they're really important. Aren't, aren't the sort of basis for, uh, especially for, for, for how we've, we've gone with C3. It's a lot of, a lot of it's just about learning on the job and, and getting going with it. The, the difference about the master's was, was, was really where I learned everything. I feel like I learned more in a year than I did in the previous four years of, of my yeah. undergraduate degree. It was called, it was actually a little bit longer than multi. So multidisciplinary innovation was the kind of condensed format. It, it used to be called multidisciplinary design-led innovation, which yeah. was a bit too much of a mouthful, so they changed it to an to M- 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 MDI for sure. Um, and basically the, the concept of the whole course was now getting a, other brilliant minds, like lots of different people from different backgrounds together, working on complex business issues, so real-world problems. Um, we didn't do much... Kind of reading of textbooks or um, sort of going through course material or going through different um, modules and all that kind of stuff. We literally took got given uh, sort of consultancy projects. So um, we did a couple of really interesting ones: one with Santander Universities, one with the National Trust, one with Northumbrian Water. Um, and they would just come. The, the people from from the actual business would come into the university, <clears throat> give us all of this sort of this problem, give us a brief, um, and we'd then go away and work on it for three weeks and come back with a full um, sort of solution as it were. And it was real, it was real kind of like, um, you know, no idea was a bad idea. We'd just come up with any idea we wanted to. It was a lot of, lot of whiteboards, a lot of kind of chucking ideas up up at the wall and and seeing what sticks. Um, That for me was the most um, informed, well, sort of the most progressive part of my learning, my, my uh, kind of education, because I wasn't learning from the teachers, I was learning from other people that had done design courses, that had done um, other other areas of business, and um, and it meant that that we were just, it was like peer-to-peer learning, so we were all learning from each other, um, and also just learning by, by working it out, so I didn't, you know, before that I'd never used any kind of Adobe tools or anything like that, but by the end of the year I could use um, different Adobe tools just because other people were teaching me how to do it, and I kind of had to do it to build mm. different things, so i can't i can't express how important i think self-learning is and teaching yourself how to do things and kind of learning on the job as it were rather than just learning from um textbooks and and modules and professors and which are have their time and place i'm not saying it's it's the worst but that's where it really my kind of education came from i guess
1: that's amazing and i Sounds like it might be fairly unique then to have had that much applied commercial real-world experience throughout the course of the Masters.
0: Yeah it was amazing it was absolutely amazing it was like like a whole year I think we must have done sort of 10 or 15 projects across the whole year um, and I think a lot of other people on that course had gone had gone open gone up sorry gone on to open their own consultancies more in design thinking and innovation rather than uh, specifically in carbon footprint calculations but lots of it was very sort of um, yeah it was it was an amazing course it was, and it was an amazing university as well Northumbria University is really really fantastic in terms of uh, giving those opportunities and um, yeah, yeah the whole thing I thought was brilliant They like said it was a lot of experience without actually working within a company and still um, getting that experience
1: yeah, that sounds fantastic. And oh, do you think there were any kind of core lessons that you learned from that time, or any kind of experiences that you had that have really, you know, informed what you the decisions you've made with C three over the last few yeah. years? I think?
0: Yeah, absolutely. I, I'm not sure about anything specific in terms of like, you know, that that is one thing. But but in general, just the ability to to Google things, the mm-hmm. ability to learn, to, the, the amount of YouTube videos there are showing you how to do something. Mm. Um, is amazing like if we if we literally think about it directly into what c3 does now we everything that we've learned everything that we do has come from googling it or, or researching it mm-hmm. in terms of like i'd never done any coding in, in my life uh, before c3 um and then by you know three months later from from when we sort of started working on it i built the front end to our first website, which is not which is <laughs> it looked awful, don't get me wrong, it was terrible. But it was, you know, I'd never done a single piece of coding, but but somehow through Googling and researching and watching YouTube videos, I was able to build a front end of a website. It like it's amazing what we have at our fingertips. Mm-hmm. Um so I think that 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 for me is the biggest learning, is just that and, and I, I was even speaking to my um my partner the other day about how uh even even in her work she's like an accountant and even in her work she's often googling stuff or she was asked by someone in our team you know where where do i find this information um you know what what are the sort of rates of this what are the VAT rates of this type of thing she was like just google it like you, you can just find out these things like you don't need to ask me like and even that, that happens in every business i think it's just it's just amazing that like, you know 20 30 years ago we wouldn't have had that um, no
1: and i think it's a really core cool skill that i mean i, I don't know if it's being taught at school but it seems like it's perhaps not that that's a really core skill how to be self-directed how to self-teach how to go out and to know really quickly where to go to find the right information um, because you're right that is a crucial skill especially if you're somebody that wants to set up your own business because like you said in those early days and those early years i know i've i've had the same thing with my business you are everything you are marketing you are finance you are and you don't know how to do these things you just have to learn yeah. um yeah so important okay so you came came out of your master's then with you know this fantastic wealth of experience behind you talk me through what your next steps were where did you where did you go and what did you go straight into crisp at that point
0: yeah yeah so I started working at um at crisp crystal king this company that helps um quite big brands with their social media online presence brand reputation um so they kind of have this service of um, monitoring uh, user-generated content so comments and uh, and likes and, and everything else and they can tell the business that they're working with you know the type of things that people are saying and um, and help them improve their reputation by you know addressing those things and um, they also uh, do some really really interesting stuff about around like bad actors online so they kind of pick yeah. out bad actors and a lot of it's about sort of security and you um, picking out you know threats and stuff on social media it was, it was really interesting i really enjoyed it i worked in the the sales team in london for uh a year and a half and then near the end of it i wanted to move into the into a consultant role rather than uh in, in sales i was much more interested in actually getting into the nitty-gritty of what of of those of those types of things and I moved into that and um and then i was just i, I just uh, that kind of wanting to do my own thing was was just bubbling up inside me and I was like I'm not sure if I really want to be here anymore it was a lot they, they're, they're headquartered in Leeds was so a lot of travel going up to Leeds um, to, to do the do the job and yeah I just one day I decided you know what um, enough is enough I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna call it quits here and find something else to do that was the the initial thing I didn't quit my job to start C3 I actually just quit my job to to do something else um, and like one of the things actually that I think I'm really grateful about, uh, Chris, was that although it was that first year and a half was a sales role, sales is is so important and so crucial um, to any business. I think we have a, a slightly negative opinion on salespeople in general because we get called by them all the time and emailed by them all the time. But without sales, you, you, you don't really have a business, um, which was really helpful for us because it meant that right at the beginning, from you know from day one, I could do some sales emails and and, and meetings and um, and try and build up our client base like that. Um, so it's, yeah, just wanted to say like I think it's we're unfair on salespeople. I think we need to be more uh, understanding of um, of how important it is to, to to running a business is to have a sales team and have people actually. Um, you know speaking to people and potentially getting these clients so that was that was sales that was crisp moving the consultancy decided not that it wasn't for me um and then i so I, I yeah i was i was actually working in a wine bar for a bit so I, I a lovely little wine bar near peckham do you know peckham cellars it's sort of between uh, near near Road, peckham so south of london lovely place recommend I and, you know, yeah, yeah it's really really nice They do fantastic wine and really nice nibbles and stuff um i was working there uh, just the sort of in between jobs, and um, that's when my business partner Adam came to me with this idea of uh, calculating carbon footprints. Um,
1: and how did we, you know Adam? Did you know him already socially, or
0: yeah? So we are—we actually worked out one night um, after a few beers that we're we're actually each other's oldest friends um, who still see each other. So I've, I've known him since we were about eight or something. Um, oh, is, yeah, really, really, uh, sort of childhood friends, um, and. He was doing a PhD in data science at the time. Very brainy, very clever guy. Um, he's definitely the sort of intelligent one. I'm more of the, <laughs> the sort of front, front side kind of thing. He's he's the sort of, yeah, the clever one. Um, and he came to me with this idea of um, of individual carbon footprint calculations and offsets. That was where we first started. Um, so we built this, this first website I was talking about with a calculator. Well, also at the same time, COVID hit. So this is when first when COVID first hit I was working in wine bar COVID hit was put on furlough which meant that I could spend all my time building stuff and working on C3 which is actually a bit of a um, blessing in disguise mm. um, obviously it was terrible for lots of people so I, I always feel bad about that but in terms of timing for us it meant that I could work really heavily on C3 whilst um yeah whilst, whilst sort of yeah still being paid from from that job mm. um obviously we weren't making any money then it was very much a a bit of a passion project at the time um so we we the initial idea was to launch uh this um carbon footprint calculation service for individuals so you could calculate your carbon footprint and offset for between five and ten pounds um depending on your carbon footprint there were lots of there are lots of other services like this i'm not sure if you've heard of things like ecology and uh, other companies where you can kind of sign up Um, but when, when we did that, that was ecology were the only ones, um, and they were, and they didn't have a calculator. So we thought, right, this is going to be, we've got an actual calculator that you can, you know, measure your footprint and then offset your exact amount of emissions. Anyway, we, we got about 50 signups in that, after that first launch and they were mainly friends and family. And we were like, Hmm, this isn't quite what we were expecting. We're not, we're, we're not marketeers. We don't know how to do the B2C stuff. Um, we didn't have the sort of, you know, rocket speed growth we were hoping for um, as first-time founders. I'm sure it's, a, it's the kind of the the, the situation of most people. Um, so we, we we pivoted hard towards businesses because I had the experience speaking to businesses before. Oh. And that's when we began to build our calculation suite and software um, to help us do these calculations. Um, and that's really when it started to get more interesting. And we, we were tackling different problems every day. It wasn't sort of... Um, this uh it wasn't just a single thing it was suddenly we were working with businesses again and, and we were we were finding all these new ways of calculating and building all these tools and um, making the process easier and easier and, and that's that's where it where, we, where we've got to I feel like I've, I've got I've gone on a bit there I've kind of uh, <laughs> rambled a little bit but yeah <laughs> to- no
1: no that's all really good stuff um so interestingly then that you kind of went to market with this b2c idea yeah um, and then very quickly kind of pivoted away I think you're right I mean it's it's a currently now a, a busier market isn't it the b2c but also there's that it takes quite a lot of voluntary discretion from individuals to download it and then stick to it and yeah having some strong marketing background and kind of behavioral science and nudge theory and things like that to get people using it is is really important which sounds you, yeah. know you have um so the b2b consultancy pivot sounds like it makes a lot more sense with your kind of background and the experience that you'd had and did you find that um from a sort of funding and, and bootstrapping perspective, if you're happy to share that with us, I mean, how, how, did you, how did you fund the business in those kind of first months and, and years?
0: Yeah, I'm absolutely more than happy to share. I think that's probably one of our kind of, I think that's probably one of our um, like proudest parts about C3 is that we haven't had any funding at all uh, throughout the whole process. Um, we, we put in a very small amount. I think it was a, a a couple of thousand maybe a thousand or two thousand each um right at the beginning to 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 sort of you know get the web web hosting and get the um but i mean a lot of time so that you know maybe two years of our life that we'll never get back so if you want to include that in terms of um, (laughs) investment then that's going to be a lot more but in terms of actual cash that we put into the business it was very much um you know bootstrap absolutely everything um and that's. I think that's one of one of one of the things we're we're sort of most proud about is that we've now got to a stage where we're kind of supporting three three people um, full time uh, w- without having had any investment whatsoever or, or or put any put much cash in the business at all. Um,
1: was that a very conscious decision right from the beginning, or it just sort of organically went that way as it started to pay for itself and you didn't? Yeah, I'd
0: immediate. say. Def- yeah, I'd say definitely the second half. It 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 was very. It was very organic in that respect in terms of a decision i think me and adam are very different so um both of us have different opinions on this and uh i think yeah i always i i, I quite like the idea of building something completely ourselves from from scratch and getting it to a stage where we are um you know self-sufficient and continuing that slow steady sustainable growth um that that, that doesn't suddenly, doesn't suddenly go like huge and then drop off the face uh, of the planet but equally doesn't doesn't grow very like hugely quickly we're just steadily increasing and, and, and sort of doing it as we can rather than um, going all in whereas I think I think Adam probably has a slightly different opinion on that um, where investment would be means we would be able to grow quicker and we'd be able to have more impact and we'd be able to do more things and uh, and I can completely see that uh, it is one of the, it's one of those conversations that we've had a lot so it wasn't sort of a conscious decision one way or the other it was very much it's always been a a, a conversation um, and I, I don't think we'll never go for investment i think hopefully we'll get to a point where we've proved the process so much so um, and we i think we're almost at that point where we've we can we can really prove that we can do the work for the amount that we charge and we've got the, a good number of clients and it's all it's all kind of working to a, uh, a really Um, Like I'm really happy with how it's going at the moment. So once that's the case, then getting investment to scale makes more sense rather than um, just sort of getting investment, spending a lot on hiring loads of people and then not necessarily having the number of clients you need or um, starting to fall off. Of,
1: I think part of That kind of depends on the business model a bit as well, doesn't it? And I know right at the very front of the, the, the very beginning of this conversation, before we went live, you and I were sort of talking about how, how I would introduce C-3, Um, And you were very specific to say it's not it's not a platform per se. Mm. It's not a SaaS platform. It's more of a, cons- a tech enabled consultancy. And exactly. so I feel like that's the difference in the, the funding bit, right, because consultancies in and of themselves have slightly lower overheads to run and a slightly more profitable i suppose and then when you're building a SaaS platform and trying to sell a scale a SaaS platform that's more where you kind of need funding to get that that growth so i suppose yeah if you were to ever transition across to that that would probably be a sensible time but just for for sake of definition and for the people watching talk us through what what the actual offering from c3 is who your kind of customers are and and that distinction between it not being a SaaS platform but it being a kind of tech enabled consultancy
0: absolutely so i think i think that you picked up an absolute crucial uh a crucial element to, to to why we've done what we've done and we've gone this direction of a tech enabled consultancy rather than a SaaS platform because we've seen so originally the idea was to build uh, once we had done this once we've pivoted toward business it was about building a, a SaaS platform a platform for businesses to um self-serve carbon footprint calculations that was the idea and we we made designs. We we started down the process. We we very nearly um, sort of got got a platform built, um, and I'm so glad we didn't because there are hundreds of these platforms popping up everywhere. Um, and we went to a, we went to a, um, an event a few months ago now I think about six months ago, and about twenty of the there was probably only hundred or so different exhibitors, and about twenty of them were carbon footprint calculation platforms. SaaS so as platforms. Um, which and then they were kind of coming to us saying we need consultants to use our platforms because are you because we can't get clients that want to use our platforms it's too complicated to use them <laughs> um, so so the idea for someone working in a space is fantastic you know we we've always said like oh you know we've always wanted to build this platform Laura. and as soon as you realize that actually um, businesses aren't quite ready for it yet some businesses are so so businesses that have to report their emissions might well have a team of people working on it they can use those platforms brilliant it's a bit like accounting software like quickbooks you still have an accountant you don't just have yes. um, yeah. the accounting software that, that business owners use i mean maybe in very small businesses business owners might use that but in, in in general you need the accountant to do it so so for us our, our our switch was then right what can how can we make these calculations as smooth and easy as possible for us to do so that we can scale internally uh, and we can hire people that aren't that don't need to be as experienced or as um, you know they, they don't need to necessarily be um, carbon footprint consultants we can we can build our own internal tools to make this really really easy for us to do but we still have a human there to help un, uh, explain things to those clients so what we've built what we've got internally is very very scalable we don't necessarily need to hire specialists to use it we've got all this this sort of software and tools that we can use. Um and, and some of it's very, very, very clever in terms of how we uh, but I'll explain that in a bit. So so yeah, so that's why we went down this route is because it needs that it needs a slightly hybrid model, it needs some kind of hand holding. This this type of stuff is complicated. So just asking a client, uh, a customer or a business to use a platform doesn't always work. And some of these other software platforms we were speaking to, they were like, Yeah, we've I was like, so you know, just asking general questions of how many employees do you have? Oh, 20, 30, they've had some investment. And how many, how many clients do you have? Well, at the moment we've got 10. Um I was like, oh, wow, okay, so you've got more employees than you do clients. How does that, like, how, like, fine if you've got investment, but then how's that going to work long term? I've never understood how these types of things work when you've got such a huge amount of employees and investment that you don't necessarily have the, you don't have the proof of concept that people want it. Um so yeah, so then we so then we switched towards this consultancy model and, and started building these tools. Um and and what we do now is is yeah full carbon footprint calculations of all scopes of emissions, so scope one, two, and three. Um, and we make it as easy as possible for for businesses to do it. So rather than asking them to enter in all the data line by line into a spreadsheet, which is what most consultants will ask to do, um, or using inaccurate methodologies to calculate emissions, which is what most Platforms do, um, or or a bit of both, where a platform might ask for it in a certain format, which means you have to kind of go through. We'll just take raw data from clients, so whether that's transaction data from Zero or couriers and uh, courier CSVs and all sorts of other data, and we'll then build tools that will automatically process through those sets of data. Now, we've got tools now for things like Royal mail, DPD, all those types of things. So as soon as someone gives us one of those, we can just straight straight through and process um emissions based on on that Um, but but it means that the client's not there kind of entering things in all the time or like working through stuff they can just give us everything they've got and we can say right these are the areas we need to focus on these are the areas where we need more specific data Um, and, and that kind of really makes it a lot easier for for customers to use
1: yeah. And um, in terms of types of customer and who who your kind of key demographic is you say small businesses but how small and you know what what who's who who are your kind of key demographic
0: Yeah um so so we can, all businesses need to measure the carbon footprint ultimately um usually in terms of our our kind of target demographics it's normally slightly um slightly bigger than sort of one to five. One to five usually doesn't have the budget to use um, a service like ours. Mm-hmm. Um, so any, anything above that, right up to, I think our biggest client has about 450, 500 employees. Okay. Um, we we actually see our processes and our tools and our algorithms being more useful and adding more value to the bigger clients because they've got thousands and thousands of transactions and we can, we can really... Um, Granularly categorize all those transactions and then pull out activity data from within the description field to understand what those transactions are all about. So it's almost more valuable to a bigger client, but we've we obviously started with smaller clients because we were because we kind of bootstrapped everything and 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 started with uh, yeah with, with very small clients. So we can kind of we can kind of um, cover anyone uh, of any size, but the the ones that we found the most use the, sort of the are real kind of sweet spot are like tech, um, based, cons- uh, tech based companies or agencies that have, um, that might be working with people that are asking for their carbon emissions. So lots of companies right. are now saying, right, we'll only work with you if you report your scope one, two, and three emissions. The government's now saying it, if you want to work with the government on, on a contract of over a certain amount, they're saying, right, we need your scope one, two, and three emissions. Um, those types of businesses for us are are our real sweet spot because we're set up now to do it. We, we can just kind of process through those really, really easily. Um, we have we have got a couple of construction companies which are which are a lot more um, sort of in detailed and, and more. There's, there's a lot more to it. Um, we've got a couple of um, little, small little coffee roasters and all sorts of different things. But every, everyone needs to understand. Everyone needs to do it at some point. It's just about when when they're going to do it. So. Um,
1: And I bet that's super interesting from a consultancy perspective. And just as somebody like yourself that's interested in businesses and how they operate and how they run, I bet that's really interesting. Speaking to all these different companies and really getting under the skin of, like you said, if you're covering their scope one, one, two and three emissions, you'll be getting a really holistic view of their entire business operations. I bet that's really, really interesting.
0: It's it's amazing, actually, because it's one of those things that I didn't realise was going to happen. And then when you start to, when you start to sort of, work on on these and you you kind of like we've done a couple of life cycle assessments as well so there's also a difference between (coughs) excuse me between um a business calculation and a product calculation so if you're if you're measuring the emissions from a product there's a different process involved because you need to cover the whole life cycle of that product whereas if you're measuring a business um when you're looking at the footprint of their products you might not go all the way back to the beginning of that product you might just take an average emission for part of the product rather than it's a bit complicated but the point yeah. what I'm going to make is that when you look at life cycle assessments of products that's when they get really interesting about all the different processes involved um all the different logistics and transport and everything and it's suddenly like I don't think there are many other sort of jobs where you get so much um interesting stuff about other businesses and how it works it's, it's kind of amazing it's just like yeah it's, it's crazy how, how the sort of specifics to which there's also, the niches of businesses—it's amazing when you find a business where you like, I didn't even realize there was such a such a thing existed that someone did those types of things. But yeah, yeah,
1: <laughs> yeah absolutely. Yeah, it's those kind of nuts yeah. and bolts. I think you know we get a pro- we see a product on the shelf and you almost take for granted how it got there. But your day-to-day is understanding the exact nuts and bolts of how that thing got put together and gets onto that shelf. And I bet that's really interesting. Cool, perfect. Um, so where are you at today then? So you're, you mentioned the business is now sustaining the salaries of three people. So you've grown. Talk me through what that journey was like from it going from just being you and Adam to we need more people. When did you realise that? And how did you go about going and finding them? And and who did you hire first?
0: Yeah, absolutely. So we we actually... So yeah, it was just me, uh, me and Adam, to start with. Uh, Up until probably we had about. So so we also had um, as part of our service for some smaller clients, we have this like tree planting plugin where you can plant a tree for every item or product. Mm -hmm. So a lot of our initial clients were that kind of size of client, very small, um, but planting based on you know number of products they sell on an e-commerce platform, something like that. Um, So it was me and Adam up until about thirty five, 40-ish clients, um, and, and maybe 20 of them were tree planters, um, and 10, 10 or so were calculation, full calculation clients. Um, we then had something called the Kickstart Scheme. Have you heard of the Kickstart Scheme?
1: I have, yes. Yeah. so yeah. Oh, I mean,
0: working recruitment, I'm sure, absolutely. Yeah. Um, <laughs> that was a silly question, wasn't it? Um, <laughs> but yeah, so we we uh, used the Kickstart Scheme initially to hire three employees. Um, Brilliant. With, which was fantastic because we had um, someone working in social media marketing, someone working in um, like data, so the data, like a data analyst, and then someone um, sort of working on the sales side of things. Um, now, the kickstart schemes, I think it's fair to say is can be a little bit hit and miss. So um, one of those uh, individuals really wasn't uh, what we were kind of looking for, um, but we, we went through the process and we just taught it, we just treated it as a a kind of a training for them rather than um, getting anything uh, necessarily back from it. But that was fine. It was, it was still a good experience to go through that. Um, But, but we quite quickly um, at the end of the six months, that was kind of, uh, we we couldn't take that person on, but the other two were absolutely brilliant. Um, Really, really motivated, really, really passionate. Um, You know, we, we really enjoyed, um, yeah, having both of them. So we hired both of them at the end of, that six-month period so we were a team of four Mm. Um, and uh, since then one so when we had obviously during the sort of economic situation that we had over the last sort of six months or so um, we realized actually social media wise we don't necessarily need someone who's working on social media full time it was quite Mm. a a large salary to be paying someone Um, along with a couple of other things they they also uh, wanted to to move on to something else as well it was kind of a mutual decision we were just like right this is probably probably time to call it a day we only had them because of the kickstart scheme so that was another another good bit of experience but then we kept um erin who's absolutely wonderful she's sort of um yeah brilliant and and really really good at what she does and she builds now a lot of the tools and a lot of the processes um and she's the data the data one um so that's how we that's how we went from yeah just adam and i to three sorry, to five, and then to four, and then now to three. Um, we also, yeah, there's also, that there are difficult times in these things. It's not all kind of good, good, good. We, we did have a bit of a, um, I, I guess, a, a, we've had our, our wobbles over the last year or so with, with economic situations where people haven't been paying us and, you know, these types of situations. And, and you don't realise that, that suddenly when you've hired some, when you've got someone else um, that you're paying, and if a company doesn't pay you for a piece of work, or a few companies don't pay you for a piece of work, how do you then pay the person who who's working for you? You know, it's really important that that is um um, it's really important that you that, that you recognise that, and that suddenly that's your responsibility to to mm. pay people. So, so yeah, we've definitely had a bit, had a couple of wobbles like that. Now we're absolutely fine. It's all picking back up again. Um, but yeah, it was a uh, that was an interesting uh, interesting bit of period of time um, yeah
1: and was that sort of re- very recently just sort of leading up to the summer that kind of time because there was a real yeah market around then yeah. I know it was, we felt um, it. a lot of our clients did
0: yeah exactly then that was exactly exactly when all that happened um it was yeah it was like a month of not of not having any new clients sign up and a month of not being paid um by some clients and yeah that that has it has its effects um especially when we don't have, you know, like I said, we haven't had investment. So we always make sure we've got enough in the bank to pay, you know, three or four months worth of salaries, but that suddenly goes quite quickly when you're not getting paid. <laughs> um, so, so it was, but you know, it's one, it was one, it was a learning, it was a learning process and it was, it was really good to, um, I think it's good to share these things because it's, you know, it's not all plain sailing. Um all the time. completely
1: agree and there'll be lots of other people that that yeah won't will go through the same thing as they go through their um, startup journeys and it's good for them to know that they're not the first person to go through this and they absolutely will not be the last yeah uh, yeah yeah perfect and on that marketing point you mentioned about having somebody that was dedicated on social media um, yeah. and then deciding I'm not sure necessarily that we need that person obviously you've got a background in Social media, slightly yourself, and a background in sales. So, what what have you decided in terms of sort of marketing and customer acquisition strategy is the right approach for you? Then,
0: yeah, that's a it's a really good question, and it's another um, another one of those where so initially it was all about it was all just me doing all the outreach, finding new clients. Um, I think also, so so we're, we're now at about sixty clients. I don't think I said about where where we're at uh, entirely in terms of business. So yeah, we're, we're now at about sixty clients, which suddenly means. The account management side of things it takes up a lot of time you've got a lot of people to be speaking to a lot of back and forth um but yeah initially it was all about outreach and emailing people and calling people um then we started getting some sort of inbound leads people getting in contact with us now a lot of our business comes through referrals so we have businesses that are referring us to other businesses um and also repeat repeat work so companies coming back for second years third years calculations because um yeah i mean for us that's quite reassuring that we're doing something right with with companies coming back again and again <clears throat> um but in terms of our we did we did go down the route of doing some google ads i'm not sure if you've ever looked into google ads before we
1: haven't done we haven't gone down that road no yeah
0: so we we started looking down going down that that sort of way and it was you have to invest quite a lot um to do that um per month and it was just starting to pick up so we we were sort of it wasn't really doing anything for three or four months and we we're like this is just we're just wasting so much money on these and then it just started to pick up and that's when the economic situation was at its worst and we had to we had to pull the plug on them um which was a real shame but obviously mm-hmm. we had to do it it wasn't a case of uh wanting to so now we are back to doing some outreach we, we, we've done a couple of events um which is also another great way of getting the name out there getting some more leads speaking to new people um you can see in the background that's actually one of the part of our event stand that we had um which is all kind of um reusable and and sustainable that kind of stuff um yeah it's it's just yeah it's just a hard it's just a hard grind you you just have to work at it and 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 you do
1: quite a lot yourself don't you i mean you and i've been connected on linkedin for a long time now but you're very kind of vocal i suppose as a founder on linkedin in terms of building your brand and building your network how useful do you think that's been to customer acquisition and bringing
0: new clients in yeah really really good like LinkedIn we, we, we kind of switched we were we were doing a lot of stuff on Instagram originally um mm-hmm. and we now just LinkedIn everything um yeah. post regularly comment on other people's stuff if you see something that's not right comment on it and say especially if you're a, if you understand it better than the person that's commented on. Like the amount of times I've seen experts in the field say something that I know is not necessarily correct if I just comment on it, not in a, not in a nasty way or a derogatory way, but just to say uh, it's important to understand that, that, that this is that, blah, blah, you know. So explain what's going on. People can then see that you understand the area and, and actually get in contact with you to ask you other questions. Um, I think I've also always have a very much a sort of happy to talk to anyone. So anyone that wants to know about this, um, we will share all of our materials. We've just published our um, methodology, our carbon footprint calculation methodology we want other people to do this, like this isn't just, we're not gonna hide our kind of um, in, you know, ways of doing things so that people, we, we wanna we want share it because we want, everyone's gonna to need to do this at some point. So I think that's, that's one of the things on social media for me is just being as open and transparent as possible and saying what I think and making sure that, you know, giving away as much as possible um, yeah. so that people can then go, right, that they, these guys know what they're talking about and they'll come come and speak to us that's that's what's been a really good really good thing for us and we've definitely seen leads come in through it, but usually it's people recommending recommending us to other people so yeah. we'll often get sort of referrals and also lots of net lots of part of lots of communities as well um online communities where um yeah people again connect us to people that are looking for carbon footprint calculations
1: that's brilliant. Referrals is just the strongest way of winning new business, isn't it? There's, there is no stronger way. Um, so it's great that you've obviously been doing a good enough job to win you those referrals to then you know, keep growing the business. That's great. So what do the next 12 months have in store for you? Have you got big plans for 2023?
0: Yeah, we do. We do have some. Well, <laughs> we've always got big plans that, that don't necessarily happen. Um got <laughs> a dream though yeah exactly, exactly, so we always have our sort of blue sky plans which are um which are really you know what what we, what we'd want to do um so we want we do want to find something that is really really scalable and and build something that is really, really scalable, so that might be um sort of categorization and and um sort of tools to pull out information for. Consultancies and software platforms that are doing carbon footprint calculations because that part of what we do is so um, useful for the user to make the to make it easier for the user, being able to package that up and, and use it for um, sort of these software platforms, or they can then use our kind of uh, categorization technology. Um, that's one one kind of area that we really want to focus on. Um, in terms of like our our own business and side of things, we, we've just launched our version two. Uh, Like Suite, um, which allows us to, you know, drastically reduce the amount of time we're we're using to do calculations, so we can really take on a lot more clients now. Um, Just the three of us, we can we can churn through lots more calculations um, because of what we've built. Uh, It's been a long time in the making, um, but we've just uh, done our first three calculations with it, and it's all working really well. So that will be the the focus for the next six months, I guess, is to is to hone that, make it better. and, and and build our client base. And then, yeah, like I said, we always have these ideas for grand plans of being being the engine of, of carbon footprint calculation tools or um, the other one was, uh, I can't remember what we were going to call it, but some kind of a network which by you could understand emissions of any business based on um, them reporting some mandatory things and it was some, some fun things like that. But yeah, there's lots of ideas in the pipeline.
1: Cool. So that sounds like a really... Clear goal then to to just scale in two different directions. So continue doing what you're doing, using your version two internally, enabling you to scale that up. So Mm -hmm. being able to take on more customers, delivering the existing service, but then also start to build something else out, a sort of scalable SaaS platform piece. But what I like about that is the fact that you'll be building that, from the knowledge of your consulting work and you'll be building something that's what the customers actually want and will use it's led by the user rather than in some cases where people will go to market with a platform that they've built to solve a problem that they think exists Um, but it's not really what the users want i feel like that that background in consulting enables you to really hone that offering
0: yeah, and 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 like we we've, we've done that. We did we did what you just said with our with our individual carbon footprint calculation and offsetting tool. We built something that we thought would be really really cool, and only our friends and family really signed up. <laughs> um, so it, it, it's exactly that. It's that you know building something without understanding what's actually needed can can be a massive waste of time and money. Um, whereas having experience with clients of different sizes in different industries. You know, there is no one size fits all software platform that's going to work for everyone. Um, there needs to be specific um, you know, industry based tools and and stuff to make it work. So and, and we wouldn't have known that before. Um yeah. before kind of doing these calculations and processing through it. So
1: Yeah, absolutely. That yeah, that earned experience is is absolutely vital, isn't it? Perfect. Thank you so much for showing that. So it sounds like an exciting year ahead then. Um so yeah. Watch this space. And if there is anybody out there watching that is a small business that wants to know how to track or reduce their carbon footprint, then do get in touch with Eddie. Um, So I've got some quickfire questions. Always round out with three quickfire questions. So the first one is, what would be your top piece of advice for somebody that was thinking about setting up their own business?
0: Do it do it now do it now and don't wait for too long i, I got some uh some really good advice from someone i feel like quickfire i probably shouldn't say too much but no, go for it. that if you're planning to do it in five years or ten years um the the, the reality is you'll get five years or ten years into your career and you, you won't be able to take a salary sacrifice or, or a cut of that much to start a business It's it's a really you know it's a year of, of of living on beans on toast basically for to, to make sure that you can do this you're not going to have money instantly so just just do it now early as soon as you can um don't listen to people that tell you you can't do it because you can especially with every all the tools and things that are out there um it's yeah it it's possible just it's, it's going to be hard work but if you if you're thinking about doing it just do it
1: love that yeah and you're so right just do it just do it as soon as you can because if it doesn't go perfectly like you said all the things you let you can pivot and yeah. all the things that you learn from it not going well will help it go better next time so yeah
0: and, and it gives you well. really good experience as well for getting back into the workplace so i think now going back into the workplace if i did want to you know pull the plug on c3 which we're nowhere near doing but at any point if we did want to i'd have so much more experience to be able to offer to a business than i did two years ago um and, and i think that businesses understand that. Um, yeah. I really do,
1: yeah. If anything, it's just a massive show of tenacity as well, mm. isn't it? Which businesses love. Okay, great. And um, second question, which business or sustainability role model do you wish you could just have one hour with?
0: Okay, I've got I've got one for each. Um, sustainability role model would be Mike Berners-Lee. He yeah. is the kind of expert on carbon footprint calculations. He wrote a book, which I've got up on my shelf, How Bad a Banana Is Everyone Should Get It and Read It. It's brilliant. Um, business role model would have to be my grandfather. Um, he was a, uh, like very influential sort of businessman back in the day. And I'd just love to have an hour to chat through, see free with him and get some advice. He always give, gave the best advice. Um, a couple of little snippets would be smile costs nothing. Uh, so always smile and make people feel important, uh, cause it's, it's a good thing to do. So that would be my business role model, I I could have another hour with him.
1: Oh, that's great. I love that. That's really nice. Perfect. And the final one being, which, what is one quick lifestyle change that you would recommend to listeners to help them live more sustainably?
0: Um, Think about every purchase you make in terms of its impact on the planet. So that could be Black Friday deals. Do you really need it? Um, That could be, you know, clothes or anything else do you really need those things think about that purchase equally it could be food you know do you need that meat that day every single day i used to eat a lot of meat um growing up i now eat vegan probably five days out of the seven and then if i'm going out for dinner i'll treat myself and that's that's also fine but just think about you don't necessarily have to act on it but just think about the purchase you're making and, and and sort of just make sure that you're justifying that, that that is the right thing to do with it, with everything you're doing and everything you're buying.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And it's, you're right. It's getting in that mindset, isn't it? And and changing collectively the global mindset around consumption is really important. I was listening to Martin Lewis, money saving expert, um, his podcast where I was out for a walk the other day, and he has a three step checklist before anyone goes and buys something. And he says, you should think, can I afford it? Will I use it? Is it worth it? Um, and can I get it cheaper elsewhere? I think there needs to be that same three-step for sustainability, right? Do I need it? Will yeah. <laughs> I use it? Yeah. Can I find a greener alternative elsewhere?
0: I was, I was actually going to say exactly that. Altern- look for alternatives as well. Yeah. So, so that is not just buy it or don't buy it, but look for alternatives. If it's me, look for alternatives for me. If it's travel, just, just have a look and see if there is a train that's cheaper. If it's not cheaper, try and justify actually paying a little bit more and getting the train um obviously you want to be doing that as much as you can but just look for alternatives sometimes you might be surprised and actually be like wow this is that's great i'll just go with that that's that's a lot easier um, okay. and cheaper so yeah alternate i think you're right those three for alternative that's a really good good little strategy for if you're going to buy anything or, or make yeah. any definitely and yes
1: that mindset that last bit isn't it that like oh i'd really like that new top could I actually find the exact same top on Vinted or on eBay or, you know, it's just taking that extra step. Yeah, cool. Mm. Well, thank you so much for joining me today. It's been really great to, to go through that journey with you, hear about, you know, what you've been doing over the last three, four years um, and hear about your plans for the next year. I hope everything goes brilliantly for you. Um, thank you. And yeah, have a great rest of the day.
0: Yeah, well, it's great. Great. Thank you so much.
1: No worries. Take care. Bye. Bye-bye. Thank you for listening. Please follow the show to be noted of all future episodes. We've also saved videos of all of our interviews over on the Above and Beyond YouTube channel. Check out the show notes to find the links to this and links to all of the resources mentioned on today's show. See you next week.